0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. How many of us have been driving on the freeway? Not how many, but how many times has this happened to you when we're driving in the Bay Area traffic that we're so blessed to live in, that God has called us to, and we're trying to get over, right? And we're trying to get to our exit. We're trying to get to the junction that we need. And for some reason, we forgot to do it 10 miles back because you know you need that much time to make that transition. And we end up doing it like a mile before and it's like blinker goes on and we try to make our way over, right? And then you hit that lane that nobody is letting you in. Like not one person is letting you in. You have those people that are like hugging bumpers. Some of you are those bumper huggers. You have the person that's just distracted, they're like not paying attention, they're doing their makeup, or they're eating, or they're on their phone. I'm not going to say any of y'all are those drivers, right? It's real. (laughs) Um, I think sometimes that's just a, a picture, I think, of all of us. When it comes to our walk with Jesus, at one point or another, we have been that driver, When the Lord wants to come into our lane and he's tapping, he's like, hey, hey, my blinker's on. And we're like, no, we don't see you. Let's keep rolling. Or we're like, you know what, let's just hug this bumper a little tighter. I don't want to let the Lord in, right? And a lot of times it's not intentional. Like, let's just keep it real. Let's just be honest. It's not intentional. When our calendars get booked, right, you're married, you're single, you're working, You're um, you're in school. Your friendship calendar is full. And a lot of times when we add more stuff to our calendar, it's for the betterment of something, right? It's for the betterment of relationship. It's for the betterment of my job. It's for the betterment of the school. If we have children, it's for the betterment of my kids. Like sports, got to get them in sports. Got to get them in karate. Got to get them in dance. And all those things are beautiful. And all of those things are wonderful. But when we overcrowd, we can tend to be that bumper hugger where the Lord wants to get in. We want him to get in, but there's just no room for him to get in. And I think we have to, again, it's not an intentional thing, I think sometimes that we're doing. The enemy is just so crafty and whatever he can do to distract us and make us a little bit more busy so that the Lord just, there's no room. There's no room for him to fit in. I think some of us can be the distracted driver when it comes to the Lord. This is me. I'm just gonna keep it real. When the pressures get a little too tight, When um, my kids are, like, fighting all the time, when they're um, lawyering me, like, all the time, if Matt and I are just kind of at odds, um, you know, things in the church or counseling appointments, right, and, and I just feel this, like, squeeze, I become the distracted driver. And I start driving, reading a book, watching Netflix, and flipping through Facebook. Like, that's what I start to do. I start to unplug from reality. I'm like, you know what? Like, we just, let's shut down. Everything around me. Let me just go to my room, lay on my bed, and just escape. Anybody else like to escape? <laughs> I am. I like it, and um, that's not. A, yeah, yeah, that's not a good thing. That's just my default, and I have to fight. Like sometimes, like if I get like really like bad news, and I, my first instinct is to call. Like I need to call somebody. I need to process with somebody. I need to do this with somebody. And then the Lord makes nobody available. You ever have that? Like nobody answers their phone. Nobody is available. Nobody responds on messenger. And God's like, I- I'm right here. Yep, yep, I'm here all the time. And um, so I tend to be the distracted driver. But why do we do that? Like, why do, we, why do we do that with the Lord, either intentionally or unintentionally? And I just, there's a multiplicity of reasons. There's a plethora of things that we can go through. But the one thing I wanted to hit on this morning is um, a lot of times it's because we have a distorted image of who the Father is. We have a a crooked picture of who God is. And so when God is trying to come in, when God is trying to knock on our doors and we become distracted or we cloud our calendar, um, it's because we don't trust him with these big moments in our lives that have taken place. Again, we're just going to keep it real. There's been a lot of pain that's happened to us in our journey of being alive on this earth. Uh, We have an enemy of our soul. We have a distorted family picture of just brokenness and alcoholism, lying, um, drugs. There's been um, sexual abuse, physical, emotional, mental. And a lot of these things are some heavy hitters that we have to journey through. And when we have to journey through that, it's painful and it hurts. And when the Lord comes, those are the areas that He wants to hit on because He wants us walking free, right? And we can't walk free if we're bound by these things that just, they hold us and we suffocate and we can't breathe. And so when the Lord puts his blinker on to cut us off and to come in, that's what his goal is. His goal is to refresh us and to heal us and restore us and redeem us. But we know, oh, like, okay, this is going to be painful. And so we tend to bumper hug and we tend to become distracted. But that's a tactic of the enemy that he's done for a long time, right? Adam and Eve, he got him to question God. Is that really what God said? Is that really what God did? And when they questioned him, they didn't do what he said. They ended up biting that fruit, and here we are today. Thank you, Adam and Eve. We appreciate it. I had three children. My last one was 10 pounds pounds. Thank you, Eve. I appreciate that. That was not beautiful. I did not like that at all. Um. So when God comes in and when God wants to move and then when we just don't give him the space or we don't want to listen or we don't want to obey what he says, man, in all honesty, lack of listening and obedience to Jesus is sin. We just got to keep it real. And I don't know how many of you guys have experienced just that dryness in your time with the Lord. Has anybody gone through a period where like, oh, man, like I'm stuck. Like I don't feel intimacy. I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. And a lot of times it's when we don't follow through what God is saying or what God is speaking. We're disobedient. Disobedience is sin. And I think this is why one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 12.1. Oh, wait, I forgot a part. Let's go back. This is really funny. I forgot a part. Okay, go. Hey, there's grace, right? So, okay, so you guys heard me mention introvertism, so these, this looks cute. This looks like two sisters, like like telling secrets. In all actuality, this is me and my sister. I think I was like 12, 13, 14. She's younger than me. This used to be me ordering food from a waiter. I used to whisper my order to my sister, and she would have to tell the waiter what I wanted. OK? Introvert is real. The next slide is replace the bathroom stall with the library. That's where I used to eat lunch in high school. In the library. You guys can laugh. I'm, not, I'm over it. Um, I used to <laughs> eat lunch in the library, guys, because uh, I didn't know how to make friends. So if I walk away from you weird, don't judge me. I just am really like, oh, I don't know what to say. OK, bye. Um, the next one is public speaking. Hello. I almost did not graduate high school because I had to give a speech. It was worth me not graduating. And the only reason why I graduated is because I got detention. How, I don't know, I didn't say a word in class. I think it was God's grace. I got detention. And then, sorry, Mom, I don't even know. You know the story. Um, (laughs) There were three kids in detention. They didn't care. They were, like, talking, hanging out, spitting spitballs. And then the teacher was reading a magazine. And she was like, go ahead, go. And it had to be, like, five minutes. It was, like, two minutes. (laughs) I ran up there. I muttered something. And she's like, okay, you passed. That's the only reason, seriously, I graduated high school, because it was like, if you don't speak, you're, you're not passing. And then this was going to lead to my Colorado story, but I forgot. This is me pre-freedom driving and post. <laughs> you know, you're, I don't, like, yell at people or, like, do, like, hand, like, hey, but I talk. Like, what are you thinking? Like, why didn't you use your blinker? Like, you almost killed me and my kids. And you know you're bad when your kids do it mom that guy didn't use his blinker <laughs> mom that guy just cut you off I'm like oh you know I talk a lot in the car about other drivers <laughs> and then that led us to the car thing okay Colorado then that led us to uh, Bay Area driving and now we're at Hebrews 12.1 we can go there <laughs> do you see how that would have been cool yeah, I messed that up. Okay. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That is like, oh, this is what I want to see for myself, and this is what I want to see for not just women but for people. I want us just fully healed and restored. That doesn't mean perfection, and that doesn't mean arrival. That means we're on a journey. And we're on a journey of getting closer to the Father. And the closer you get to the Father, the more you give him access to your heart, the more we begin to throw off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles. And the more we're able to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And so if you are taking notes, I know I'm all over the place, but if you're taking notes, um, I want you to write this down. You You can't run your race with God while you're running away from God. You, it is impossible for you to run your race with God while you're running away from God. And this isn't a question of salvation. Hear me out. This isn't a question of salvation. This is a question of, man, how are we going to fully run and be and do all that God has called us to do if we're not giving him access to the places of our heart that need healing and restoration? It's impossible because if I'm struggling with insecurity, am I going to hold your hand up high and be like, "Woo, shine like a diamond? I'm not because I'm going to be like, trip, there you go. Because I'm struggling with insecurities, right? Or if I'm struggling with pride, I'm hindered and I'm bound and I'm not able to really fully run the race that God has called me to run. Amen. Uh, We're going to jump in. We're going to jump into the book of Judges today. If you have your Bible on your phone or your Bible in your lap, go ahead and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 4. And while we're doing that, just give you a brief context of the book of Judges. Judges arose in Israel right after the time period of Joshua's death and right before Israel demanded a king and a monarchy, which was Saul, was the first king of Israel, okay? So Israel had this habit of doing evil, repenting, doing evil, repenting, doing evil, repenting, and then the Judges... The Lord brought up judges to come into place. And so, we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 4. Deborah is the judge that is reigning at this time. You have King Jabin, who was king of the Canaanites, and he oppressed Israel for 20 years. A heavy military oppression that had, he had 900 chariots, and Sisera was commander over his army. Now you go over to Israel, and we have Deborah. Who steps in as judge, and then you have Barak, who's the military commander over Israel's army. They do not have 900 chariots. So let's pick up in Judges chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh, Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them into your hand. That's Deborah asking Barak. And just setting up here, obviously, what we can notice is some scholars believe that um, Barack was a little afraid, right? Because Deborah has to say, Has not the Lord said? Like, you already know this. We've already made it known. And so, as we continue the rest of this message, I just want to lay out a few things that we can really implement so that we can start our journey in freedom. And the first one is, and our lessons are going to come from Barack, not from Deborah. Surprise. The first one is, freedom is attainable, but warfare is inevitable. Freedom is attainable, but warfare is inevitable. Ladies, when Barack was sitting there, no wonder he was scared. He's like, "Ah, I know Jesus is going to give us a victory, but what is this going to look like? Like, what is the sacrifice? What is the work? What is the warfare? What is this going to look like? I'm facing an army of 900 iron chariots, a far superior military prowl than Israel had. So Barak was counting the cost. And I just want to share with you, we may not be up up against a physical army of 900 iron chariots, but we are up against some strongholds that are in our lives, and we are up against some lies that have been established in our, in our hearts, lies that have been established in our heads that tell us who we are and who we're not. You're battling against wounds and brokenness from friends, from spouses, from significant others. We're battling um, again uh, mental abuse, physical abuse, some of us sexual abuse, and these are big things, that's warfare, and it requires warfare, and it requires a journey of surrendering and allowing Jesus to come in, and one of the things I wanted to share with you is a little bit of my freedom story, Um, and what I mean by freedom is just giving God access to the areas of my heart, really. Um, I have notes on my freedom story, because that's, I forgot my my anniversary, okay, so don't judge me. I have three kids, that's all I got to tell you, that's all I owe you. So, yep, I love um, I love my freedom story, but my memory doesn't. Uh, okay. So in my freedom journey, it was in a time in my life. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. Some of you who have already walked through freedom, you know this. So freedom is a small group that we have here at Fountain Church. So I'm going to give you a quick, quick picture. But it was a time in my life where I was feeling that squeeze. Oh on every side, feeling the squeeze of inadequacy as a mother, feeling the squeeze of inadequacy as a pastor, feeling the squeeze of inadequacy as a wife. I was feeling the squeeze. And um, I was sitting in the car. I think we had just got done like, uh, just not like a big fight, but like a uh, irritated fight. And um, he comes to a stop and presses on the brakes, and a book hits me from, like, the feet. And I was like, what is this? And I reach down, and I pick up a book, and he, it's Freedom From Your Past by Jimmy Evans. And I was like, hey, Where did you get this from? And he was like, I don't know, a conference or something? I don't know. He didn't know he had it. He didn't know where it came from. He didn't know who it was. He didn't know anything. So I pick it up and I just start reading it. And God begins to wreck me as I'm reading this book. And he's showing me I was harboring unforgiveness towards somebody. And I didn't even know I was harboring unforgiveness. I thought I had forgiven him. But as he highlights it, I give him room to speak and he just starts speaking to my heart. And then this time we were really fighting. It was like, we are fighting. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and we're arguing, and don't worry. We don't argue, like, screaming loud, curses, nothing like that. We're just in a moment. And when I get mad, my go-to is shut down. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. But you have to stay in the same room with me because I like you. Like, that's me. And so we're just, you know, going back and forth. And then he just stops and he stands up on his knees, or you know, sits up on his knees, we're in the bed, and and he just starts prophesying over me. And he's just like, You're a visionary, you're and that's the only word I really remember. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> he just says, You're a visionary. And then I just went blank. And as soon as he says that, I just start to pour tears. And I just start to cry. Because if you remember my before, that was my, I'm not lying to you. All of those pictures were a reality. I whispered my food order. I didn't want to graduate high school because I had to talk in front of people. I don't know how to engage in small talk. I was shy from birth. School dances? No. Why would anybody want to do that? And I remember getting asked, and I would just sit at the table, you want to dance? No. You want food? No. Like, no, leave me alone. I went my entire freshman year, sophomore year, with one friend and did not know her name. Guys, like, this is who you're staring at right now. God redeems. He's amazing. But God began to walk me through this journey. And so because I thought that that's who I was, like, I'm just uncomfortable up here. I am uncomfortable in a small group. I'm uncomfortable by myself. I'm uncomfortable just all across the board. (laughs) And so because I thought this is who I am, I was like, I'm an administrator. That's right. I am an administrator. I will schedule you. I will plan your appointments. And I did that for Matt until he fired me. He was like, you're awful. (laughs) He would have people coming to knock at his door, like, hi, I'm here for my appointment. And Matt's like, what appointment? (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) You have an appointment. (laughs) I'm not lying. I'm not lying. This happened a ton of times. And he was like, you're not really good at this. And I was like, no, I really am. And I tried. I tried. And I tried. And I failed every time. And so that night, he's telling me, you're a visionary. And he said, your whole life, you have tried to fit and become something that you're not because of lies that you've believed about who you are. And it shattered me. And it was painful. And then I'm sitting there like, if I am a visionary, what does that mean? (laughs) I was like, I don't even, now I'm really stuck because what does that even, like, how do you do that? And so I remember sitting there and I, I was weeping and I remember this journey of freedom. Ladies, it was warfare. I had to go and I had to fight and I had to fight for my time with the Lord. I had to hear from heaven. I had to grieve. I had to lay down ideas of who I thought I was. And really what had happened is, I don't know what happened when I was a kid. That made me so shy. My mom was shy. Maybe it was genetic. Maybe it was just a, a characteristic I picked up and I took it to that level. But I do know this. It was a lie that the enemy fed me and I ate it. And as soon as I ate it, he developed a stronghold in my mind. And, and it was no longer, hey, I, I know it was a lie and this is how I'm going to operate my life. It, was, it became a lie and it became me. And so I operated from that place, not knowing this isn't who I am. It was a lie I believed a long time ago, but I adopted it like it was my own thoughts. Um, and so your freedom journey, whatever it is, you may be super extroverted, and that is awesome. You may be super introverted, and that is awesome, but all of us have a story, and all of us have a journey to go through. There's a lot that God ha- had to um, unveil in myself. I felt like there was a brief moment when I was in high school, where I was like, Lord, I'm not, I'm not, like, dainty. This is my mom's. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come in a t-shirt and jeans. And and I remember as a high schooler, I was in sports. I was awkward. I, like, just, you know, and, and I questioned just all of how God made me and all of how God wired me. And I questioned, like, what did you do with me? Who am I? And I started to doubt just so much more who, how God wired me and what he had in store for me. And so your freedom journey, whatever it is, it's going to take on a multiplicity of things. But you need to lean in and you need to press into the Lord and you have to prepare for warfare. And don't be afraid of the things that God wants to bring up. Don't be afraid of that stuff. He's going to highlight something and you're going to be like, oh, man, I buried that a long time ago. And the Lord is like, but you didn't, you didn't kill it. And this is something that I need to bring up so that we can kill it once and for all. Amen. One, I didn't journey alone. I had my husband. I called a pastor friend of mine. And so that leads me to the second portion of Walking Free is you need to walk with a warrior. You need to walk with somebody who has not traveled your same road because that is infinitely impossible. But you need to follow somebody who's a couple steps ahead. And you have to be okay with that. Ladies, we're all on a journey. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for a week or 50 years. We're all on a journey. And we're all in different seasons in our walk with the Lord. And so I cried out for somebody. I need help. And I'm an introvert. Do you know to pick up that phone to make that call? And I struggled with pride. To pick up that phone and be like... I'm a mess. I pace that room for minutes. Like is it worth it? Do I do I really need to make this call? Do I really need to let somebody in to see I'm a mess? Like I'm hurting and I'm dying. And pride is ugly and it just stepped in like no, no you don't. You're fine. You'll do this on your own. And that is a lie from Satan. You need to walk with a warrior. You need to put yourself out there. Barack, let's look at what he said. Judges 4, 8. Barack said to her, if you go with me, I'll go. If you don't go with me, I won't go. Barack was bold enough to make a statement. I know the victory is mine, but I like let's solidify. Let's make it real. This victory is mine. He was bold enough to make the ask. And I challenge you this morning, be bold to make the ask. We're all awkward sometimes. We're all weird sometimes. Turn to a lady next to you, just be like, can I get your number? Please? You could do it right now and be like, no, for real, for real. Like, if you're awkward, just be like, yeah, do it right now. (laughs) I'd be like, no, she's serious. She's serious. Put it on me. Put it on me. Listen, we're all in journey It really doesn't matter. I went to go get freedom training in Texas in a room of 200 pastors. Do you know how many of those pastors were broken? Do you know how many of those pastors struggle with pride and insecurity and fear? Like, it's not pastors and and congregation. We are so on the same level of just learning to walk with Jesus and love him. And so walk with a warrior. Walk with a woman who's like, I got you walk with somebody, when you call them, they'll, they'll pray with you, like right on the spot. Not be like, let's go, let's go get a drink. Sounds fun. Sounds fun. But you need somebody who's going to push you into the arms of the Father because that's the only place you're going to find true freedom, <laughs> is in the arms of the Father. And so I had mine. I had to wrestle through that. And I had to call somebody. Small groups. Yes, that's what we're about here. Jump in a small group. Are you going to make friends right off the bat? I don't know. I probably wouldn't have. (laughs) I probably would have sat there quietly and just, hey, and that's fine. If that's where you're at, that's okay. But just begin to step because the enemy loves to isolate. And if you are isolated, there is no chance. Um, Mia, attends our church small group leader. She posted an article that um, majority of adults don't make new friends. In the last five years, they haven't made a new friend. They don't know how. They don't. They feel like friends are already solidified, but there is a hunger for it. We were made for community. We were made for relationships. So let's put ourselves out there. Let's jump in to a small group. I know we hear small group, and some of us are like, Oh gosh. Me too. Join the club. Join the club. Serve team or dream team, is it perfect? No. That's the only promise I will make to you is no, it's not perfect. No, it's not the best all the time. Why? Because people are messy. You're messy. I'm messy. And that's all right. But when we put ourselves out there in community and in relationship, God does something awesome. Let's continue reading. Judges, 4 14 through 15. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. 1 Peter 5.8 says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So that leads us into our next step. Number one, you want to prepare for warfare. Number two, you want to walk with a warrior. And then this next point in our journey is you want to actively watch and willingly submit. Actively watch and willingly submit. There is an enemy of your soul. And any event that takes place in your life, If somebody lies to you, if somebody cheats on you, if somebody betrays you, if your kids are yelling and cursing at you, the enemy is right there to interpret that event for you. He is right there to cast a lie. He is right there to cast a judgment. And he is right there to make sure that stronghold is, boom, planted in your mind. And so then what happens? You hurt me, I'm staying away from you and everybody that looks like you. You, you deceived me. I'm staying away from you and everybody that looks like you. And what begins to happen is we begin to be so bound and, and we guard ourselves and we protect ourselves. And when you guard and when you protect you, you are doing you a disservice because you're doing it wrong. You're keeping everybody at an arm's length and you're not letting anybody in because you're hurting. But when God protects you, And when God restores you, you're able to open yourself up over time with wisdom and be vulnerable again. And let people in again because you know you are not your protector. You are not your defender. God is. And he is the best at revenge, number one. Hey, David said it. He was like, Lord, get my enemies. But when we, when we start to let Jesus just uh, melt over us, we start to pray for mercy for them, for grace for them. Because guess what? God died on the cross for your enemies. He died on the cross for those who wounded you and for those who hurt you. He died for them. And when God heals that, you're going to be able to pray for him from a completely different place, not out of a place of I have to, which you may have to start there and that's okay. But from a place of man, Lord, you died for them. Because how many people have you hurt? How many people have you betrayed? How many people have you lied to? And you, won't, you don't want Jesus to have vengeance on you. You want his grace and his mercy because why? You messed up. And they did the same. And there are some different gravities of pain, and and I know that spectrum. And God is so great that he will deal with you exactly where you need it. And some of you ladies, you are the warriors that are ahead of us a few steps. And there's a lot of us that need those mamas. There's a lot of us that need that hand. There's a lot of us that, man, how do I talk to my husband when he does that to me? There's a lot of us asking, like, how do I raise my kids in this crazy world? There's a lot of us that, man, I want to I want to learn how to be a good friend because we don't know how. We need the the warriors that are a couple of steps ahead to step up. Today is the day of salvation. We can keep saying, no, I'm not ready. Mm, A couple more steps, Lord. I'm almost there. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for it. Have you guys ever said, anybody ever asked you for something and it's like five weeks away and you're like, yeah, sure, got you. And then it's here and then you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that was me. I was like, yeah, sure. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You're never going to be ready to fully step in to help somebody else. But how God meets you in your step is incredible. And it creates such a dependency on the Father because you know, oh Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But my dependency on the Father is so heavy. And yours will be heavy. But If you are that couple of steps ahead, please grab a hand. Grab a hand of somebody who's a couple of steps behind. And in closing, Judges chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. on that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang the song. worship is from a different place. Your worship will be from a different place, a place of freedom, a place of security, a place of vulnerability. It will be so rich. Another thing that you're going to want to do is, again, you're going to want a warfare. But you're going to want to make sure that you honor your friends and you worship the Lord. We're here to honor each other, to lift up each other, to encourage each other in our journey and in our fight. But the worship belongs to Jesus. Worship belongs to him. The victory, surprise, there's no surprise ending. You already have the victory. It's the journey that we're afraid of. It's the how are we going to get there. The victory we already know is solidified. It's the journey. But when you find somebody and you partner with somebody and you do life with somebody and you trust somebody, it's so worth it. I'm able to stand up here not because I'm an eloquent speaker, not because I'm not going to get my slides all mixed up, which I did, just in case you didn't know I did. I'm standing up here because I've said yes. And it's not perfect, and it's not polished. It's just a yes in your mess. That's it. That's all God is wanting is just a willing heart. Yep, I'll go. Yes, I will do it. And the victory, I'm going to honor my friends, but I'm going to worship Jesus because he had it all along. Amen.